Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Ignite Your Heart and Soul with me here, Sarah Troy, on selfdiscoverymedia.com and my wonderful repeat guest, Esther Schifran. We did a wonderful, wonderful show many years ago on hiding in a cave of trunks. And it's all about being, um, you know, in, in um, a Japanese encamp during the war, um, you know what she had to go through the journey that she had from there and believe me it has not been easy um so i really invite you to come back and listen to that one because that's where we really discover her courage and her strength and her abilities but today we're going to be talking about our isolation and to each own experience and reflections of that isolation you know during COVID, we, we've all had our own isolation issues but what did she do so was she turned to poetry and every single day during COVID, she has put out on Facebook a poem. And we're going to start off today with one of her poems, kind of around the isolation. And we hope to hear some more through it. But um, I think we just need to set the stage right now. And you can just see what wonderful poetry she's been doing of inspiration every single day. Hi, Esther, my love. Hi there. I was just thinking as you were saying that it's been 17 weeks of a, thing, a poem every single day. Wow. And it's five minutes before coming on with you. I was nearly late for that because two lines jumped into my head and I immediately ran to get my phone to put it into my notes so that I wouldn't forget. Because very often I have the two lines and then I've got to reword them. Right. But I have last words always which rhyme. Because I'm big on rhyming. Yes. <laughs> so let's start off with that one poem and set the stage of where this show is going to go. Right. So I wrote this one several weeks ago that because I have not been shopping at all for four months. And wow. I don't know what out of a shop looks like. So every day I look outside and wonder, should I brave it and go to do some shopping or maybe I should save it for yet another week or two when news is not so dire. Being at home alone so much, my creative mind's on fire. I miss events and people and the times we used to mingle. But now I have to settle for the writing of a jingle. And really, isn't that the thing that I was born to do? To be the all-round artist, the Esther, that is true. So I am not complaining but thanking lucky stars for gifts that whisk me up away from earthly woes to Mars. The sky's no limit when I'm playing piano, painting, writing. It's all that I was born to do, what I find most delighting. And talking about paintings, for those that are listening here on the YouTube, you'll see the painting behind her. I actually thought she was sitting out in her garden, but that is one of her paintings. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Esther came to this kind of later in life when she opened up and bloomed. And she's an artist and a poet and a writer and an all-round gifted woman and uh, loves to dance. And here she is, 82 years young, with so much more to do in her life. And a true inspiration 
invitation to all of us on seizing the day that we're never too old and that go with the flow and when something talks to you do it and even though we are in supposed to be isolation not everybody is but uh, you know that isolation is an invitation to step into our creativity and explore and allow things to come out and 17 weeks of every single day putting out a poem for us it's been really rejuvenating every time I've read them it's been very apropos to the moment to the day to the way I feel and it's been really wonderful um kind of boost you know kind of something that no matter what's going on in the day you read that and you go yeah yeah Esther's got it so uh, kudos to you my darling for thank you 17 weeks of this I mean you know that's amazing thank you you know why I'm doing some very interesting things have come from it because I uh, am going to be publishing those in a book. Yes, but you've got to. <laughs> and while I knew that the poems would all be in a book, some other ideas started taking shape. And then I realized I could write little essays and some stories about my life in Israel and my life in mm. South Africa because I already have some of them written from years ago, short stories. So this will be a book of the poems and stories and it'll be a real book, mm. not just thing of just poetry right and I've even written about my life in China and I'm getting so much commentary on it mm. people really want to know about that so then I thought okay it's very daunting to write a book only about my life in South Africa or only about my life yes. in Israel but over here in short excerpts I'm managing to write that story and I'm rhyming it and I'm loving it I'm loving it you know, there's kind of no limit to the writing because I used to write songs. Mm. And uh, Yoram Gaon, who is a leading singer in Israel, one day was in South Africa at a concert and someone had given him one of my songs and he said to me, you should write a song every day and you'll make a lot of people very happy. Yes. You've got it. You've got yeah. it. You know, and, you know, from where you come from, you know, six years in an internment in Japanese camp and your mum was a, a, a brownies cheerle you know, cheerleader and got everybody going on that. So, yeah, um, three years and Israel was six years. Israel was six years. And the thing is, you know, one thing that came out of our conversation and I love the show, which I really invite people to go back and listen to is, you know, you um, then went to South Africa, South Africa and you married somebody in a really kind of isolated town and uh, kind of became almost a prisoner again. And, you know, it was realizing that through your life, the prison mentality, the prisoner mentality had kind of gone with you until you broke that cord and kind of stepped into your creativity, stepped into your artistry, which then gave you your freedom to become Esther. Yes. Did you read my poem about being someone's wife? Yes, I did. I did. Well, that's it. I kind of broke my trend on that mm. last line. Mm. Then I changed my name and played the game. Yes. But I, in the first time that I wrote it and I changed it, the last two lines were actually that in that life, that, 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 that life was a whole lot different when I was someone's wife. But yeah. then I, the fact that I changed my name and played the game mm. was much more appropriate for that. Mm -hmm. Because how many people give up their artistic life yes. and create and they're never thanked for it. And yeah. that's the It's so sad. I've had friends who told me that their mothers confided in them when they were already in their 60s, these mm -hmm. friends of mine. Their old mother said, 
I always wished I could be an opera star because I had a very good voice when I was young or I wanted so much to do this and that. But my parents said, no, you get married rather and have children. And, and then it makes you wonder altogether about the roles that we're meant to be playing. Yeah. You know, there was time when people were told you must have children. Yes. And, but then later some people told me, friends of mine, that they were never going to have children. They didn't want to have kids. They were traveling the world and doing whatever they wanted. And, but there was so much stigma attached to that. Why? Yeah. You know? I have a 37-year-old daughter who is single, doesn't want kids, travels the world. Um, you know, she's an explorer. She's a butterfly, you know. And wherever she goes, she, she leaves kind of the pollen of Tabitha that people fall in love with because of, of her spirit. And that's her gift. Her gift is to go and give everybody this enjoyment and exuberance of life as a gift wherever she goes. And she writes about it and she takes pictures about it. And, you know, that is what she was here to do. Um, you know, why should she? I mean, her father keeps saying, when are you going to settle down? When are you going to have kids? All of my kids are in the 30s with no grandchildren yet. Grandcats, grand dogs, grand restaurant, but no grandkids, right? And that's okay. It's okay. They should take away the down part and just that's called settling. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, what is settling? You know, um, that also has a connotation of, of you're settling for something instead of embracing something. And, you know, you talk about 60 years. It was 57 when I started this path eight years ago uh, of becoming Sarah, doing what I'm doing now. And I'm in my calling. I'm in my joy. I'm in my own art. And I, I have finally become who I was always meant to be. And so it's never too late, is it? But really what we want for our younger people is don't leave it to this lateness in life, you know? Celebrate it beforehand and push aside all those expectations that society has on you. Right, absolutely right. And you're wonderful, actually, uh, what you've achieved and the way you handle everything. You really are. You know, when you are um, yourself and yes. everything, out of you and people see it no matter where you are I had some remarkable experiences of serendipity in my life but something that I remember very clearly was I was returning from London after thinking I was going to be there for a long time running an office for a timeshare in Greece that's why my paintings mm -hmm. are all Greek style mm -hmm. and, uh, but I was recalled because the South African government wouldn't give the company any more money mm -hmm. to, to, uh, abroad so I was back with, I had so much luggage and stuff. And you know what that means when you're going through. Oh, so yes. <laughs> when an officious looking woman standing behind a table in a uniform said to me, excuse me, can I speak to you? And I thought, oh my God, now I've copped it. Mm -hmm. That's it. I'm like, she called me over and I said, yes. And there I was with like suitcases and extra stuff. And she said, I have to ask you a question. Yes. Are you a Sagittarian? <laughs> I said, yes, because I was born in China and I'm born on the cusp of, of uh, Scorpio. Mm -hmm. And China is one day ahead of, of every mm. other. So she said, I could tell it right away. And I can see that you're a real traveler and I want to wish, and a free spirit. And I want to wish you luck on all the rest of your travels in your life. What a, what a wonderful, I've done those experiences. That's wonderful. <laughs> Noted, Sarah. I couldn't even walk on the ground. I was floating on yeah. air. Mm. She set me up 
for the most amazing um, go back scene yep. to that. Every time I felt, oh, what am I doing? Why yes. am I? You know, this was just amazing. And after that, I ended up in Canada for five years living, and my whole life was just travel um, for good reasons, mm -hmm. not to get away or to have to be with someone to do right. the travel. In fact, when I was with someone, it didn't work out that way. Mm -hmm. so, you I know, always prefer traveling on my own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> strangers. Yes. I love to strangers. And you can't do that always when you're with someone. Right. You know, you're kind of in a bubble. Yes. You know, you know, we're both free spirits. We both love to explore. And, and you know, um, we've both done the parent thing. And, you know, in, and now we're in exploration. You're ahead of me. Uh, exp exploration of self. But you can't break someone's free spirit. You know, it will eventually find its way out. And, you know, a lot of people think with this isolation that it's, you know, restrictive. But actually, it is a time where real true creativity can come out. If that creativity lies within you, you are in the moment still, you know, um, meant to be at home and isolating. And this is the time to really go in and let that creativity out. Like you, 17 weeks of every single day, a poem, which is a massive feat. I can't wait for the book to, to come out. You have to get on with that girl. <laughs> I'm tumbling myself because some days I write two or three and I'm ahead of the day. Yes. Think, oh, should I put on two today? No, I can't. And so I have to wait. And then mm. the next day, I have to decide whether today's poem or yesterday's poem is more appropriate to put out mm. today. It's very interesting. And I'm collecting pictures of all that. Yeah. Um, I'm very lucky because I can walk past the piano from the fridge. You know, the fridge is <laughs> all the time. Yeah. I'll go to my bedroom and I've got my iPad and I've got my computer and I've got my phone, in one of each in every room so I can write down as soon as I'm in a room. But when I see the piano, then I'm more than likely to sit down there and play something for a bit. Now, remember, I'm a trained musician. I'm a classical yes. musician. However, I play everything else by ear. What I've found since I've started playing that much again is that even when my finger is going to the wrong note, something moves it mm. to the stuff's coming up that I don't know where it's coming from. You're I just, don't know. You're just channeling. You're just in tune. You're just letting it all come out. You're allowing, which is beautiful. Why don't we teach children that when they're small at school? We don't because really, quite honestly, it's, it's quote, a new thing. You know, um, um, I just had a wonderful show with someone who is a, a communicator. He teaches communication in industries. And we were talking about communication and how it's changing. You know, there's a certain dialogue that's not allowed anymore. Um, certain tonage and certain expressions that aren't allowed anymore. And what we are, we're in self-discovery at the present moment of what is our intent? What are we trying to say? And how should we say it? And we can't come from our head anymore or come from our angst or our anger. We've really got to come from our heart and our soul and say it in a spirited way that is going to uplift rather than bring down. So we're in transition of that right now. I think it is going to be a norm in the next couple of generations that our children's spirituality is going to be nurtured. But our generation, most certainly not. It was all about sacrifice, yeah. self-sacrifice. <laughs> domination. Domination. Yes. Appearance. 
uh, to the day that you married and then domination probably from a spouse. Yes, most, most certainly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I, I only have come to realization of many things recently. I realized that I left the army when I was 18. And no, no, I was 20, 19 because I'd been there two years from the end of 17 to the end of 19 years old. And everything I did was regimented. I had yes. to do, and my father was a regimenter. And my mom dominated us like nobody's business. And I moved straight from one domination into another. Yes. Right away. And yes. I accepted that role. I had it from my father-in-law and from mm. his family, the, his ex-wife and my, the rest of the kids and that, and from my husband, who would say to me, is this the time to come home if I played an extra uh, set of tennis? So I was like shaking in the last yes. set. Even though the sun was still up and it was South Africa, but yeah. it was time to go home to see that dinner was done. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, it's really hard to, to um, get over that when you, because even later and very often, and even to this day sometimes, I'll think, oh, I've got to go home. Why? I know. It's, in, it's, it's so indoctrined into us. I live on my own. Well, actually, I live with a wonderful 87-year-old who's got chutzpah and energy like you, like crazy. Um, but, you know, uh, otherwise, no kids and no husband or anything else. And, and even I now, again, I should be doing this. Why? 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 Where's this should come from? I let go of that a long time ago. Why are you still tapping me on the shoulder? Exactly right. We were regiment. We were conditioned to yes. to know that when it was sunset, it was time for this, that, and the other yeah. thing. And yeah. So because of that, when I lived in Canada and I was all by myself there, and I had cousins, but they were on the other side. I lived um, in uh, at the Bayview. No, well, I lived in many different places, but right on Thorn Thorncliff, Thornhill. Thornhill. Were you Toronto, Ontario, or where were you? Yeah, Toronto. Okay. I don't and, know Toronto that well. My daughter lives there, but um, I'm BC. In, in um, Etobicoke, which is right on the other side. If you caught a train to go there, it was one and a half hours at least to get there. Right. So I used to, to walk around a lot. And it was at five or six o'clock when I was walking on a street. I had no car at the time. I would pass, uh, that was the twilight hour that is so hard when you're on your own. Yes. If you're used to having kids and that. Mm. And walk past uh, lawns where families may be playing, but the lawnmower was running. Yeah. No, the spinner, the water. Mm-hmm. The wa- mm-hmm. water in the garden. And the sun was like so high, but the day was like waning. And it was like the misery hour because you had no one to go home to for yeah. dinner. I know. Yeah. I, read sometime later that many people struggle the most at that hour especially on a sunday evening if mm-hmm. they go walk because then it's a family relaxation hour yes and coming together uh, yeah i mean i i totally get that you know it's um um I, I go out with my landlady, but she's very limited to what she can eat. And so the restaurants that we go to very often do not have what I like to eat. So it means that I have to go off on my own. And I don't mind, you know, I have no qualms of taking myself off and, and dining out on my own. I've always done it. But you do wish that you had somebody there to converse with and share with. And that's when you really realize, you know, you are on your own. And in a sense, 
you know, it, is it self-isolation? Have we isolated from people? I don't know it, but we are isolated at that time. And is it from old habits or we just haven't met people that don't want to dine with us at that restaurant at that time? <laughs> right. Right. You know, it's living in South Africa as a divorced woman in the first two years of my divorce. You can't go any at that stage. I don't know now, but I couldn't go anywhere on my own. There was a stigma attached to it. Oh, yeah. Yes. And then one day the movie uh, Private Benjamin was showing with mm -hmm. Goldie in the small theater in the small town where I was still staying till I left for Johannesburg. And I had to see it because I was a Private Benjamin in the Israeli army. Right, 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 right. Got to see this. Sneaked <laughs> uh -huh. in. I went in after it started. I went in in the dark and I came out before it ended. So no one would see that I was sitting alone in the theater. <laughs> I remember really? going out with, with um, uh, uh, three other women and myself used to go out. We used to get dressed up go to a nice restaurant and have a nice dinner together. The amount of times we got accused of being lesbians. I know. I know. <laughs> and if, you know, the men hitting on us and we don't want to be hit on, well, you must be lesbians. <laughs> to be in Canada as well. Are you yeah. a lesbian? Mm -hmm. right. And, you know, it, now, you know, as I said, I've got three kids, one's married, but the other one's in a relationship and my other daughter, the butterfly, I mean, she off doing of things on her own and we're in a totally different society now and I think that um, there are some people that have weathered very well in this isolation they've stepped into their creativity they've found ways to communicate with people they've done some of their own self-exploration but there are other people who just for them it's like a punishment and they just can't cope with it at all and I think if you've if you've either been isolated at some point like you were isolated when you were married um, when you when you were in, in the internment camp, when you're in Jerusalem, uh, when you're in the army, as you said, everything regimented. Yeah. And regiment is isolating because it doesn't allow you to explore. And even when I was living in London, uh, thinking that that was going to be a long-time job, and mm -hmm. I was only there for a few months, um, I was isolated and lonely. I lived in Ealing. Mm -hmm. And um, I would go stay after work, which was in near... Uh, Soho, I think right. that area, and I would after work walk around from one museum to another. I would go and spend hours and hours, and then get a bus home or transport home. But then one night, and you know how London is; it can suddenly start snowing or sleeping. Yes, yes, <laughs> or raining. Yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly, in the bus line, we're told that there's a strike now, and we can't. Uh, right. That's uh, often in, in London, yes, yes. Late at night. Mm -hmm. And I had pa packages of stuff that I had bought, food. So I waited and then something came. I can't remember what convent it was. They took us to an area not far from where I lived. So I got it and I was walking. Now it's the middle of the night and everything is very dark. And I was told it's very dangerous to walk in that area alone. And I thought, oh, my God. And I was getting very tired carrying these two bags. What am I going to do now? I can't carry them anymore. And then all of a sudden, I saw something glinting in front of me. And I thought, that's a knife. I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? It was a supermarket um, push. <laughs> it's amazing what our imaginations can get us worked up over. I put my parcels into it and wheeled it home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
then serendipity took over. Yeah. What yes. A <laughs> I, you know, that uh, fear. You know, I remember being in Washington, D.C., and I was living out in Maryland with a historian. So I was kind of caretaker of a home and everything else for, for accommodation. But I'd borrowed a car to go in and meet somebody in, um, in um, D.C. And I was coming home and I took a wrong route. And um, there were several guys of color, black guys on the side there. And I wound down my window and I said, I'm lost. I'm trying to get back onto this highway. And because of the color coming from South Africa, I made sure I didn't sound South African and that I definitely sounded my British self. And I asked them for help. And, you know, I saw that they had chains and they had this and they had that. But I came at them with just joy and confusion and a little ditzy blonde. And they uh, guided me out and they were very cheerful and, and really, really nice. When I got home, my friend was really worried about me because no cell phones back in that time. She even had a police friend over because uh, I was so late. And when I told them where I was, he said, you what? You're there? Not even the police go down there. It's so scary. They did what? <laughs> you know? But having lived in South Africa and especially Hilbra in Johannesburg, which we called Hellbrow Jailburg, the amount of violence that was around you all the time, you just learn to deal with it and you learn to um, navigate around it. The only time it really became really dangerous is if somebody was extremely high or mentally deranged. And yes. then it was different. But most of the time you diffused it. It was the Yoda thing. You know, was, I'm not the threat you perceive me. <laughs> absolutely. And also if you treat them like human beings. Exactly. Exactly. Different. I've had yeah. many experiences like that except one that was like, so Toronto had experiences. I, I was working in a place called Joe DiMaggio's Wet Paint Cafe, mm -hmm. where the artists were invited if you could do good work. And we painted in five slots um, for a week at a time, but I was invited to come back constantly because I sold paintings. Mm -hmm. And the diners would uh, watch us painting while they were dining and oh. then they would buy a painting. And so I would come home late at night and two funny things happened actually. The one night um, I was walking up the steps from the subway and as I, um, Bayview I think, and as I was wa walking up, everybody, all, all the young people had run up already. They were like, and I was like second last person because there was one behind me on crutches, a man. <laughs> so I said to him, I was sorry for him. So I said to him, do you need any help? He said, I don't need help. I need sex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, can't oblige, darling. <laughs> Same route where I was living in a side street. They were, it, it was all houses, suburbia. And I, when I came home late at night, you know how you dress? Long black coat, black hat, black mm -hmm. scarf, and a painting. And the wind was blowing gales and black boots. You couldn't see my face really because right. I was half around. And the painting's flying up in the wind and it's coming down and it's flying up in the wind. <laughs> and as I turn the corner to my street, I hear the scraping sound and it was snow. Somebody was shoveling snow and I didn't uh, realize till I thought there was this Chinese man and he was snow shoveling the driveway. So I said to him in Chinese, which means I don't like it. Well, he took one look at me and fled. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. And, and, you know, that's what it's about in life, isn't it? Is that, yes, yes, we're in isolation right now. Yes, it's an invitation to find your creativity or just to do some soul searching or maybe it's a redirection for you in your life. But it's also to actually understand how we isolate ourselves in our lives from opportunities, from exploration. You and I are, are discoverers. You know, you've yes. done a great deal more traveling than I have, you know. Um, but, you know, it, it was that discovery of, of self and of other people and of experiences. And that's important to us. You know, it's always about what's next. And for so many people, because their regiment at the moment has been taken away from them, their routine, this whole thing of isolation and being invited to go in or discover something about themselves is pure hell to them instead of looking at it as a gift. They look for everything without themselves and yes. not with themselves yeah. so um i've i've encouraged i'm I, i'm sorry i won't be able to find poems that easily because i've got so over 110 poems. Yeah. <clears throat> but i've encouraged people to think about what they loved to do when they were a child was there yeah. something you wanted to do that you didn't painting yes. dancing writing anything that you love to do just treat yourself to stop doing that again now you never know where that can lead to for you you know uh, but they've been so used to looking for their entertainment outside yes. and not able to. That's so sad. Yeah, it know? is sad. And, and you know, this is um, the gift of time at the present moment is that redirect, re, re, you know, review, renew. And it is a time to reflect because we're in the time of change. As I said, the universe is here. It's shaken us up. It's woken us up. It's asked us to step up so we can change it up. And we're at the step up stage. And that step up stage is be part of the solution. We, we know what the problem is. We don't want the problem anymore. We want part of the solution, which means every single one of us has to step up, you know, in our wholeness, in our authenticity, in, in our creation and bring it to the table. And for people who are living purely on the stimuli of outside in, you know, they just don't know where to begin. And they you know, Yeah, yeah, I mean, people always tell me that I'm so gifted and I'm lucky because we've got very good genes, really lucky, lucky, lucky. But I say to them, you know what? Everyone was given a gift and you really yes. have to use that gift. So some people who think they don't have a gift because they don't paint and draw and write, they don't, two things, they don't realize that artists need them yes. to perform for them and do for them. But the other gift that they have is why not just pick up a phone and give the gift of kindness? Yes. Yes. Someone. Talk to them, you know. Yeah. Talk. People want to talk. And we're in that era of caring and kindness. We're realizing the impact of it. You know, the, the impact of a smile, the impact of, can I do something for you, love? Like, you've been isolated for so long. Can I get some groceries for you? You know, and it's just simple gestures that really, really do help. And I've done a lot of shows over this COVID period on smiles, on caringness, on kindness. And because it's so relevant right now, and the first and first and foremost thing is, 
be kind to yourself right yes you know i was thinking about you saw that poem about the the building manager who wouldn't uh, give me a key wouldn't yeah. open and i was thinking to myself she's devoid of any humanity there's yeah. no kind of no whatsoever right. and i feel so sorry for her that she she has no friends no one nothing i i mean and we we reap what we sow Right. And if we're unhappy with our lives, maybe it's the time to look at our lives and, and go, well, what, why am I unhappy? What isn't working? What do I need to do to change it? Yeah, but I don't think that some people, I've discovered that there's some people who really don't, have it. they can't find it. No. no. Um, and the people that totally deny everything. <laughs> you know. well, for something recently when she told me that I have to, uh, change the light fitting in my kitchen myself, which is a ceiling fluorescent. And I said, I can't do that. I can't get on a ladder and do that. She said, well, then maybe you should go to a caregiving home. And that's actually discrimination. She's not allowed oh, yeah. to say Yeah. Yeah. And just pure bitchy. Yeah. Yeah. Pure bitchy. I mean, it's a, you're not, you're, it is a risk, you know, I mean, you're 82. I'm 65 and I have uh, uh, conditions that wouldn't allow me to do that. And so, you know, the, the thing is, if you are in charge of the building, take charge of it. All right. Stop passing the buck. Well, she keeps telling us that it's the rules of the building and it's the rules. And, have, and then when she told, when I said to her, that's not very nice, what, you know, she said to me, I grew up in a rough neighborhood. And that's her excuse. Yes. I said, and Did you I, tell you where you grew up? <laughs> you know what? I was a prisoner for three years of the Japanese. I know what isolation is, but the building is dirty, thanks to her. I said, but we were clean. It didn't matter where we lived. Right. We lived in a tent in Israel and we were clean. Yeah. So um, it really, who is to educate these people? Does it come at the school? Does it come from the home? Where does it come from? Both? I think it comes a great deal from neglect. You know, I have a series called um, Raising Our Gifted Children. One of the series is the Forgotten Children series, which I am going to be doing a podcast book on hopefully in the fall. And it's, it's you know, horrific to think that 70% of the people incarcerated in the States are foster children. And, you know, and to, and to look at, you know, the sex trade and to look at how much uh, kids are taken away from their parents instead of the society helping the parents with the children and how many children are neglected. And we, you know, you've got a poster child out there in the States right now, Mr. Orange, who's the poster child for narcissism. And narcissism comes from not teaching empathy or love or kindness when they're a child. And so there's an inner child in there, you know, screaming out, a tantrum child and a child looking for approval. And we have to look at people who are troubled like this as a byproduct of their upbringing. But at some point, they have to take ownership of that and say, stop putting the blame, finger pointing, there's three pointing back at you. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, what are you going to do about it? I think they're comfortable in their misery. Yeah in there they, that's their comfort zone it's almost as if they don't know how to change that yeah I, I mean we've seen an awful lot of people in isolation right now with mental illness and suicides and 
and other things and you know we've we've got to realize too that for some people with mental illnesses isolation not being able to get out and use what they normally do to manage it is like being trapped in in their own you know uh, demons and we have to realize that that we need to reach out to these people even more and that kindness and conversation or engagement and trying to get them engaged in something that can help them you know, a combat it is very important. Um, just because people are behind closed doors doesn't mean that you neglect them. This, you know, there's certain people that you really need to reach out to. People have forgotten a bit. They've forgotten that, that they're, you know, at the beginning it was, can I help you? Can I yeah. help for you? But now that hasn't happened anymore because I also am very independent. So I haven't really asked a lot mm. from anyone. But um, I have got, like my daughter sometimes shops for me, but she's really very, very busy and she lives in Calabasas. And then I have another couple who are my kids' age as well and I've known their family for absolutely ever. And they have shopped for me a lot. He never fails to phone me when he's shopping to ask me what I need. And then yesterday he called from Whole Foods and I said, yeah, I need vegetables. I've got, that's what I really need if you don't mind. So he said, okay, and he collected a few things and then he was standing in a long line. So I thought, well, I needed carrots. I needed carrots, but I wasn't going to ask him to step out the line. And the next thing I get a text from him to say, you won't believe it, but all the lights went out and everyone had to dump what they had shopped for and we all went home. Oh no. <laughs> oh. Uh. <laughs> luck and fate mm. <laughs> you know I, I think because of the way you were brought up the things you've had to navigate this is just another thing and humor comes into everything for me right, right. i said to him oh my god you needed that with all your he's a real estate guy and he's busy yeah. all the time and i said you needed that like a hole in the head yeah. so he's like an angry face, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you've been through so many ups and downs, so many struggles. And of course, in the first show, we talk about those struggles. Yet you've chosen to be optimistic. And, you know, somebody also pushed you with your artistry, you know, to push it out there, which became your freedom. And the whole desire to explore and, and yes. you know, allow has been your, you know, your salvation. And, and, and and that's why you you know you're such a gift to everyone else because of that sharing and that inspiring other people but not everybody is like that and um, there's so many people that think it's a punishment um you know or it's a hoax and you know a, a lot of people don't realize that it's not about being in the home and not going out it's about the isolation in the heart in their spirit in their you know in their persona and that that's where the isolation really lies because otherwise you would look upon this time as a, Oh, I've got time to do and be rather than time is against me. Right. I was attending some meditation uh, classes uh, with one person in particular who's a writer, a wonderful man and another one a couple of times as well. And then somehow I drifted off that. I couldn't stay with it. It's mm. too regimented for yeah. me. And I've been through too much and I'm capable of doing what I yeah. did with my own. And a lot of what I do is like meditation. Yes. All are meditation. All arty things are meditation. Because when you're painting, you're 
in your head yeah. for hours and hours. You're not really, if the phone rings, you jump out of your skin. Mm-hmm. It's the same when you're doing a piano thing. Yeah. Um, and also definitely when you're writing. Because you're, well, you're in the zone. You're tuned out and you're in the zone. You're channeling, you know, right. that knowledge, that wisdom at the time. And you kind of have exited from the human realm. We are beyond lucky if we can channel like that. Yes. It's, it's amazing. Absolutely. And I'm so glad my children are all in this thinking. They're yeah, that's that. good. You're very lucky there. You know, I used to be lonely. And um, I, you know, wrote a piece about only the lonely and, you know, loneliness in a crowd where you're Mm -hmm. there, they're talking to you, but they're talking at you. They're not talking with you and feeling lonely. And I felt like that most of my life. Plus, being a sickly child, I was left alone a great deal in my bed. And so I had to learn to be alone with self. And of course, cosmic go off and travel. But it was something that... um, that kind of chased me for a long time, this loneliness. And now I have got to that stage where I love my alone time. I am no longer lonely because I have self. I know who I am, what I'm doing, what I need to do. And I'm no longer worried about living with me alone. That loneliness isn't there anymore. I choose to be alone. And a lot of reading. I used to read Enid Blyton and all those yes, books. Yes, yes. <laughs> Wonderful escapism. I mean, as a child, you know, reading all these books, one after the other, whatever I could get, mm-hmm. hold on, anything. And it stood me in really good stead. The only thing that I found that's not good for me now is that I'm reading too much that's political yes. and, and too much news rather than books. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, <laughs> only, the only news that I watch is like Colbert and The Daily Show because that's the only way I can watch American news. Because if you can't laugh at it, you're going to go hysterical, you know, in a different way. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it just everything is so bizarre and so utterly out of control and nothing makes sense. And there is no common sense in anything. And, and it can get to you. So, you know, even with the COVID thing, it, it was like I, I wouldn't watch it every day. You know, yeah. just every now and again, what are the numbers? Where are we at? Pay attention to it, but use the common sense, you know, wash hands and distance and, but also keep calm because we know that you lay victim to any illness when your emotional state is high. So, you know, it breaks the immune system down. It's interesting to me that we never, ever in the United States see anything about Canada unless no. it's something bad. Unless of it's course. Bad. No, the uh, America governments don't like Canada. Right. And, uh, and we've been second-rate citizens, you know, all the time. And dare I say it, the masses are asses. Yeah. They uh, them think that you fall off the edge of America <laughs> if you go to the edge travel. Right. And yeah. I mean, I'm very proud of the way we've handled things. Our government stepped up, you know, with subsidy. Uh, Was it perfect? No, but they were navigating. You know, this was unheard of, unprecedented. Um, um, Here in BC, um, we've had a few new cases lately uh, because we're in phase three and there's more people socializing. But there are only like, you know, 20 in the whole of British Columbia. And uh, our death rate is right, right right down. We've only had two new cases on the island in five weeks. And, um, you know, back in uh, Toronto and Ontario is a little bit more uh, because it's more dense. Uh, But we're doing very well because for the most part, Canadians have stepped up. They've stepped up. And, you know, I look at 
Florida and I look at everything else and back to work and back to this and back to that and another 20,000 cases here and 20,000 cases there and I think, are you for real? She has had 3,600 deaths. Where? LA County, Los Angeles County, 3,600 deaths. Well, I mean, you've had... I think it's um, probably close to 140 deaths in the United States and a great deal of that in New York and Florida. Mm. Right? And, and, and it's because, you know, um, I have a colleague who is a beautiful soul, highly intelligent, but she thinks it's a conspiracy. And uh, yeah, it, it baffles me. <laughs> I have friends who are thinking that to this moment. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Seeing yeah. anything. And, you know, I, I had a cousin, uh, you know who Dave Brubeck is, right? Yes. Uh, well, this is his son, Darius Brubeck, who's also a jazz player. I interviewed him last year. It was wonderful. He's married to my, my cousin. And he came down with it. And he was three weeks, you know, oh. on an incubator. They didn't think he would make it. He's home now, but he's got, you know, uh, it's going to be a good long year before he's back up there and the lungs are damaged. And my, my landlady... Um, <laughs> It, she's lost six people, colleagues and friends, to it. Um, and it's not true. I can't believe what they're sending I know. me. Then please don't send I this. don't get it. And it's like, you know, <laughs> pandemics, if you look at the history, they always go into a phase two. And they're uh, uh, predominantly are passed around by people and mm -hmm. also very much um, hygiene-based. Mm -hmm. And so we've been asked to stay home or keep our distance when we're out, wear a mask, wash our hands, common sense, right? And we will get through this. But no, you're taking away my rights. Um, why should I do this? Why should I do that? And you've got to look at yourself in this way. You may not get it, but you might be a carrier and you may be killing someone you know or even your own family. Sure. Sure. I don't know what it's going to take here. I think we're in real trouble. Yes, but I'm afraid so. I mean, it's going to take a lot more deaths and a change of government, you know, to see things happen. <laughs> get out and vote, folks. Please get out and vote for the right one. And Dr. Kanye West, please. Caring <laughs> person knows the truth. And if they don't do their share to change this, then I don't know. I feel we're in the hands of evil, personally. Really. Well, you know, and also, I also feel that that was needed, you know, that to show the decadence, uh, the opulence, the entitlement, the greed, um, the, the darn right danger uh, from these people was the wake-up call that people needed in order to change things up. Otherwise, they just would have carried on running the country and everybody else would have been the puppeteer. So it was an invite to be the solution. And, and only through seeing such extremes, extremes, uh, that, that uh, we kind of pushed to go the other way. This, by the way, I haven't looked at it yet, but this is something to look at. It's called the Lincoln Projects. It's oh, yes, on yes. YouTube. I haven't seen one yet, but I was interviewing somebody yesterday who told me about it. And, and it's done by Republicans. And you know who that is? That's George Conway, Kellyanne Conway's husband. He's a right. big deal. And he, how they stay married, you wonder. <laughs> but apparently, you know, they're anti-Trump and all his rhetoric, and they're Republicans. And so it's about time Republicans stood up. And, you know, I mean, they're cowards for allowing this. So they just want to protect their own job, you know? And Do you think it's time for a midway party 
another party to come yes. with people who are level-headed, yes. who are both Spectrum, I think it's time for a woman who's rolled up her sleeve with some common sense. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there were so many good candidates there of young men and, and women. And uh, I was disappointed to see mm -hmm. them go with the old white guy. Um, you know, when you had people there that were much more progressive, uh, you know, yeah. much more kind of liberated. And it was sad to see that. And who's he going to choose as a running mate? And I hope he has the common sense to choose a young progressive person to balance and it out that's right what's going to come now is most seriously important very because you know in canada you know we've got our own issues etc but um and there's always the political you know parade that's going on conservatives hate um you know trudeau and there's always the mudslinging that's going out and you know perpetual little games that the politicians play but you know we're very much kind of governed by what happens in america because we're neighbors we're attached so, but and, they don't, we don't see it here right we, yeah the canadians do yes the canadians are much more worldly as much as they're right at the other end of the world you're yeah. honest but they're much more worldly than the Americans are in general, the masses. Yeah. They study yeah. different things as well. They know more about the world. We have a lot more kind of cultures here that we're immersed with, you know, yes. that, um, that are a part and parcel. I mean, my own children are half Chinese. And so with a lot of the mixed cultures that you've got here and, and our millennial kids that are mixed and, uh, you know, they don't see the differences. They just see, you know, people. And oh, they well, you're you know, you're this or you're that. Who cares? You know, it's who are you? Uh, the core of you, the heart of you. Right, right, right. I just pray for a world where there'll be no more racism and no more hate the way that it is today. It's just well, I'm, I'm afraid to say that you and I will not see that completely because I think we're looking at another two generations before you see that completely set. But I think over the next two generations, we're going to see that shift of what is allowed i mean you know how the pendulum always swings one way we're going to go to the extreme of you know of where we're at right now you've got to be so guarded as to what you say and look to the intent behind it and if the words aren't quite right don't penalize somebody if they're trying to support you all right mm -hmm. don't attack um but we're seeing a little bit of that you know the swing of the emotions right now but as we see that kind of settle down then we're going to see a new norm but that reprogramming has to happen and we know that programming takes a while for it to set in so i think we're you know you and i may see um the certain shift of it and the changes of it but the actual set in i think will be uh, the next generation or even the generation after I hope they can save our planet and not destroy it the way that they're going. I know it's, it's just horrific. And, you know, having done so many shows on, on the planetary thing is if you step into heart consciousness and, you know, align the soul, heart and the spirit, you cannot knowingly harm anyone or harm anything. Because you know that it's against your own vibration. You're hurting yourself. For people that choose to rise up to that level, they understand that. And more and more people are waking up to that. And more and more people in business, in industry, even in governments, are waking up to that. But again, we've got to see that shift, that dominance there. I think a lot of the young people will be the ones. They're, yes. they're fed up. And I don't think it's so much the millennials as the millennials' children. Mm -hmm. You know, because mm -hmm. the millennials are kind of, 
you know, like talking about it. Some of them are very progressive and really out there. And others like, well, I don't want that mess. I, oh. I just want harmony. And then the children will come up and go, you had a great opportunity. Why don't you take it? Look at how innovative and creative our children are. They are. I've never seen anything like this today. Yeah. I'm yeah. watching. And there are a whole lot of extremely talented kids coming from somewhere. Yes. They're Indigo the kids. Yeah. Mm. They've had years and years and years of training. Something's going on. Something's I know. Going I know. It's exciting, isn't it? It's good. <laughs> we need to open up to that even more. Um, you know, it, it's... I think people need to stop looking at what's happening in the world as self-punishment or that somebody's out to get you. Right. What we're looking at a shift in the world is, is a rebalance because we were out of balance. We were dysfunctional parents. We were uh, completely inconsiderate and ungrateful of what this planet gave to us. We became nasty, bitter and twisted and just got at each other like savages. And we have to look at all of that and say, that's enough now. It's, it's, we're going to destroy this planet and ourselves with that's that right. way of thinking, and it's time for change. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. I agree, it's really true. Gosh, have you ever heard of a guy called Nassim? Nassim Kariman, I think is his last name. Nassim, he's a physicist, but really they said he'll get the Nobel Prize. Mm -hmm. He's fantastic. Well, he talks about all of this and the planet and how we, we our, everything is within ourselves. Yes. But, We're all energy. We're all connected. And, and quantum physics. Yes. And so I grew up with that since I was a child because my grandfather was a Kabbalistic rabbi. So he mm. had all that. And my mother would talk about it the whole time. It was something we spoke about easily yeah. and we knew, you know, and now all of this that they used to tell us, which some sounded to other people like airy fairy. Yeah. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Coming out more and I more. So he's on YouTube. And if you watch him, you'll love it. Yeah. Some of the short, I know you and I never have enough time to finish in the day. No, no, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I've got, I've got a genre called quantum spirituality because this one is called Ignite Your Heart and Soul. But the quantum spirituality and the reason I put that up there is that I've done so many shows on energy, either energy healing, you know, um, energy uh, balancing, energy to do with the planet. And it's since we opened up to the quantumness and understood yes. the quantumness, you're seeing scientists understand spirituality as energy. Right? There's yes. not a kumbaya abstaining from life. It's an energy that people choose to ride on. And that we are made of particles of the universe. So we are part universe, we are part earth, and we are all energy. And it's all the question of the frequency that we ride on. And the higher the frequency they ride on, the more love and, and harmony that we're going to be in. And the more we will project out, the more creative we're going to be and more invitational we're going to be. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. It's an exciting time. You know, mm -hmm. um, when I started this eight years ago, I, I was coming from depression and I really looked at the world and thought, do I really want to be a part of this? Humans suck. And, and I needed that redirection. And then I started interviewing people that were really making a difference in the world, that had gone through their trials and tribulations and had chosen to discover their beautiful gift and share it with the world. And having done over 2,000 shows now, it's always had me in awe of how 
resilient, how creative, how utterly awesome we can be as human beings when we decide to step into that and feed that rather than feeding the doubt and the hate and the fear. And I think this is where we're seeing the tide change right now. And I think this is what we're seeing with, with all the changes and even the isolation right now of how it's changed everything. The way shows are done, people aren't doing them in the studios, they're doing by Zoom. We're seeing people being more relaxed, coming from their home. We're seeing them being more open and honest in their conversation than they would be in a studio. You know, we're seeing so much change that it's going to be hard to go back to that sterile and controlled environment after we've had such beautiful, open honesty in this other environment. It's going to be a merge of two. Yes, it is. How did you help yourself with, uh, what could you, what can you tell people that helps them with depression and well, I'll have to, I have fibromyalgia, which I've had for 23 years, and my depression is very much chemical to do with the, the fibromyalgia. It's very much a byproduct of that. And I finally found a pill that does work, which took a very long time to do. But also what I found was music was a great help to me. And uh, music, it wasn't so much the music, you know, uh, the words or how the music was played. It was obviously the frequencies of the music that were resetting me, resetting my vibration and, and feeding and fueling me. No, no particular music. I could listen to anything from violinist uh, to classic to, to you know, um, pop. It was just like I would go on YouTube and just listen to some music, you know, pentatonics. I love the acapella. I've got a few people that I get drawn to at that time. And I look at it that after doing a quantum speech, um, galactic speech um, uh, show on um, uh, you know, channeling speak where you don't understand what they're saying, but what they're doing is they're resetting you on the inside. Um, I realized that music and the frequency, the energy and the vibration of it is the same as that. And it goes mm -hmm. in and it speaks to me, but also being proactive, doing the shows, you know, definitely pouring yourself into something that you love and participating in it. And the worst thing you can do is go and isolate yourself because that increases the depression more. Right. I actually wrote that for to tomorrow's poem. It, it was written yesterday, but then today I wrote a new one and I just put that on instead. But um, that writing poetry gives me a chance to vent. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Have you got to, can you share it with us? This yes. is going to air next week, so it would have already been up. And then if this is not the one you want, you'll tell me. Okay. Um. No, no, folks, I just want to point something out. 82, she's got a, uh, her own um, uh, painting background there, graphic that she's got up there. She's on her phone, you know, doing all of these things. I mean, there is no excuse for people saying I'm too old to handle technology. Look at her. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. What's going on here? Oh. Oh dear. Ooh. Okay, here we are. Um. And what I love about the way you do your poetry is you just open up completely and just channel, you know, rhythm. And that's, I think, another reason why I enjoy reading, they're in rhythm. And I think rhythm is extremely important to our equilibrium. Yes. Right. Very. Okay. I don't know why it's, it's flipping to something else the whole time. 
that thing on the phone, you can go up to it and close that page down so it won't keep coming up. Technology. I mean, technology is absolutely brilliant. We wouldn't be able to do this without it, but at the same time, it can be extremely challenging. Right. Okay. <clears throat> when writing poems and giving vent, I feel my gift is heaven sent. The saying goes, there's none so blind. If I may only change one mind, then I'll continue on my quest. Never will I stop to rest. Many are now opening eyes. They took a while to realize the one they worshipped, idolized, was not the one they should have prized. As long as I have words that flow, I'll vent. My hat into the rink I'll throw. Seek the truth that sets you free. Do research, not just from me. Don't spend your life in misery because you voted abysmally. Be strong, just change. It's not too late. Your vote can change the hand of fate. If you're honest, have heart and brain, you'll see these leaders inflicted pain on many of our brethren. Admit it. Change your party. Bravely quit it. Please don't miss it. Make a note. November soon, they'll count your vote. That one is going on the homepage, for sure, definitely. Very powerful. That one that's, is not just for one day. That one needs to be played every day until November. <laughs> I wrote it two days ago. And then today, I, I wrote, oh, my God, I've got to write down another two lines that I thought immediately. And it was um, something like this. Or I have, because I always edit it afterwards. But right who do not understand that if they do not mask it, they could be the very ones who end up in a casket. Aha. Very, very true. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, you know, I mean, I want people to go to your Facebook page and they can, you know, scroll all the way back to all of them, but you're going to be putting this in the book with another, you know, another thing. When are you going to stop doing these poems and when is the book going to come out? Because we want it, girl. We want it. Okay, the poems are going to go on. I have no intention of ever stopping until I, if I run out dry. Right. Happen. But the book will come out as soon as I can get it together now. I've started already thinking what to... I've already got a, um, a word processing thing open with the poems in. Right. I'm sending them to myself in emails every week. So that the whole thing, so that I've got it all recorded and it can't get lost right good no you can't get lost okay we need um, it <clears throat> so i'm definitely going to do that and um i wanted to tell you something uh yeah so look this i still would love to find the name <clears throat> of the woman who used to write a poem every day in south africa in the newspaper I, she wrote a very, she was English, mm -hmm. but a very short poem that was spiritual. And, and, and I used to say then, oh, I can do that. Of course I could do that. Uh, but when I started, my first poems were very, very short. And they were about isolation and phoning people and all mm -hmm. that. I've got them. I mean, they're all here. Um, but then they got longer and longer because I can't stop myself. <laughs> You're in the flow, girl. You're in the flow. <laughs> And I won't stop because it's no. giving pleasure to do it. Yes. But also giving you a chance to let people read about voting without mm. making them fed up. 
Right. But, but it's not just about that. It's everything that you write about. It's perspectives of what's going on. It's reflective. And so it yeah. gives people another point of view. Yeah, I see that. But being, by doing it in a rhyme, instead of like posting, ranting, you know, it, it's more digestible, right? right? More relatable. So, you know, your poems are wonderful. The fact that you're coming up with them every day, kudos to you, really, kudos. I mean, I thought with this COVID, oh, I'm going to have time now to write my book. Uh-uh. I have been so busy, <laughs> so busy that I've had no time for that. And I still don't know when I'm going to have time for that. But, you know, it, whenever it's meant to be, it will happen. Have you ever heard this saying? I'm tempted to put it in as a quote from someone I don't know. It's, it's not the cough that carries you off. It's the coffin they carry you off in. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny because I was told many years ago I have two books in me and um, and I'm going to do it as a as an audio and then have it made into a book because yeah. I'm going to be doing podcast books um, but it's just the question of of the time I'm doing four to six shows a week and you know editing and everything else and it's the time to do it how many four to six shows a week four so, to six or yes. Not 46, 426. Yeah, 46. I can't. Each show takes around four hours to produce. So you know, I don't have that many hours here to do that. Do you clip out bits and pieces or not? No, only unless it's, it's a flaw. If we have a faux pas or something, I let it go. It's all organic. It's all natural. So, um, But I do all the editing of the videoing, the audioing and the postings and what? everything else. Love it. But you're so alive, you know, so when you, when you interview someone, it's very comfortable because we're able to laugh and joke. Yeah. It's not a serious... Um, oh, God, no. There's enough serious... You know, we talk about serious topics, but it's yeah, we, all about how either can we laugh about them or find a solution for them. Yeah. And I don't want to get stuck in, you know, somebody said, well, you know, you, you, you don't argue enough in your shows. I said, well, they changed to a different channel because you're not going to have that here. We're not about bitching and arguing and pointing fingers. We're about accountability and responsibility, but self-accountability and responsibility. And how can we get there where we want to be? Right. Like if you can't do something about it, then why worry? And if yes. you can't do something about it, then why worry? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, if you can do something about it, do it. And, you know, I've created a new terminology is that actionism is the new activism. You know, activism is talking about it, ranting and rave about it. Actionism is doing something about it. And I want yes. people to step into actionism. Yeah, I really do believe that I'm sort of campaigning in a way. Yeah. I'm an activist. Yes. I'm yes. a bit of an <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But you're actioning it, right? You're not just talking, you're actioning it by putting yeah. out the poems and leading people that way. And, you know, I encourage people to share the poems when they get to your Facebook and share them with other people, have conversations about them. I'd love that. I actually have, I'd, the very political ones I put onto uh, four sites, which are done by a South African guy, Mano Thanos. It's the great debate, enter the ring forum and um, occupy Democrats. And when it's not, then I put them onto about six South African sites mm -hmm. and put them onto Hong Kong and Shanghai people. There are three sites there. And I put them onto Brits in LA and, and they're all loving it. Yes. But I'm be careful not to put the uh, totally political ones into the South African side because a lot of people are not um, they're not totally democratic at all no they're, no 
no, and, and you know, South Africa still got its problems. So, you know, it's uh, it's still in a political turmoil there, so they're not ready for it. Yeah, South Africans living here, yeah, still apartheid in them. I know. I well, so, why are you here then? You know, why are you in the states? You know, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. one time, and as a friend actually wrote and said, "Well, what he actually he's done good things for the economy. What do you think Biden will do?" You know what? I thought about it and my reaction first was I'm going to answer it and then I thought I'm not going to. Because if I pick up the cards, I have to play the game. Yes. And if he isn't seeing the separation of those children from their families at right. the board and all those things that at the moment they're not really talking about simply because of the COVID and, and you know. then Take then COVID alone, love. The fact that, you know, he doesn't want any more testing. The fact that he was so slow with the testing, so slow with the mask, so slow with everything else. How many thousands, tens upon thousands of deaths are at his hand because he didn't want to engage in it and he wants to stop it now and ignore it. So, yeah. His word today to Fox, it's on Facebook, I posted it. His word today about Dr. Fauci saying wear masks and that on that's in today's post that I put. I got it off the TV, which I do if it's Ugh. if it's then I put it into that poem of the day. Right. And I said to myself, my God, the man is crazy. We know that though. We know that. He is deranged, but he's also got an awful lot of people around him that are either deranged or capitalizing on it. But if they cannot see the destructiveness of this man, there are deaths, there is blood on his hands. The children at the border and the people that are there, they're never going to be the same, even if they're still alive. And so many deaths over covid are going to be on his hands because he did not get to interaction quick enough and he's now not wanting to have any more testing done because he doesn't want the numbers to go up and, and, uh, and now because he was impeached he will do anything he's so angry angry enough to everyone yeah well now he's got to show his taxes and that's pissed him off even more yeah but you know that's going to take a while before they they can implement that They'll find every way to delay it. But, you know, also when he stops being a president, he will be arrested for various other crimes. And that's another reason why he does not want (laughs) to come out of the White House. So I, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is we're asking, it's the same with the police force. We're asking for accountability. Things have gone to the extremes. They've become ridiculous. They've become, you know, um, totally and utterly bizarre. And we have to put a stop to it and things have to change and come back to common sense and reasoning. And, you know, whether it's our own lives or whether it's our community lives, whether it's our, our country's lives, we've got to be a part of it. We have to be. Yes, absolutely right. Absolutely. Hmm. <laughs> You've got somebody coming to visit you. <laughs> In the walkway. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to look forward to the book. And of course, when you've got it, we have to have you back to share all of that. But in the meantime, you know, read the poems because they really are beautiful. Uh, Look at the other show we did and her book that she wrote about that lifestyle. This woman's lived, folks. She's lived. She's lived as a prisoner in more than one way. She's uh, escaped into her own beautiful gifts. She is a, an explorer. She is an adventurist and she is incredibly creative and she is such a wonderful inspiration to all of us that get off your ass and do something. 
We've all got a gift lying somewhere inside of us, right? Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure, really. Now, how do people find you on Facebook and your site and everything? Give all your information, please, love. Okay, so my book is on Amazon. The last You're talking about the book I've yep. written on, yep. which is Hiding in a Cave of Trunks, and it's on Amazon. And if they put in my name, Esther Benjamin Schifrin, they'll find my book right away. But Esther has no H in it, so don't make any mistakes. Right. And uh, my phone number, do you need that as well? If, you, if you're wanting to give that out, that's up to you. Maybe not. They okay, can always no. They can write to me if they want to. Yes, email, yeah. Uh, at Esther Schifrin, no Benjamin in that. Esther Schifrin, S-H-I-F-R-E-N at gmail.com. Right, and your Facebooks? It's yes, go on to Facebook and you'll find me there and you'll find my poems and every now and then you'll find a link to my book because I don't really push it. Right. Uh, that, but many people are asking me about it now. Right. So, and on Facebook, you're Esther Schifrin. Esther Benjamin Schifrin. Okay, the Benjamin is in that. Are you on any other social medias? LinkedIn. Right. Twitter, Esther Schifrin one. Right. On Twitter. And also I'm on very weekly on Instagram. <laughs> You're more than I am. I do not like the Instagram because I can't do it from the computer and I do not want to work from the phone. So you're, you're far ahead of me then. And it that well yet. So yeah, no, no, it's not my favorite. And, and um, I'm on Facebook, very at home on it. Yeah, I, I really do think that your poetry should be on LinkedIn as well. There are some incredible people on LinkedIn. The platform has changed quite so much. It is. Every day. Every Good. Day. Yeah, because that uh, I'm going to certainly uh, tag you into a few people there uh, that are great supporters and promoters, but there's some really cool people on LinkedIn nowadays, and so it's, a, it's another wonderful platform to, right. to get people engaged. I don't it effectively, but I post it every day, and I very often put photographs as well. Good. And I, and I do hashtags and, you know, stuff like that. Just wow. look at her. Look at her go here. Look at her go. <laughs> Oh, you know, you really are an inspiration. You truly are. You're just so exuberant. I mean, you had a video up the other day of you dancing, you know, ah. and I love it, you know, and it's like, it's, you know what it's like to be restricted. You know what it's like to be denied, what it's like to be a prisoner more than one way. And the fact that you look at everything and, and you find your liberation. You know, you find your, your, your escapism on you, find your way to be creative and live through it. You truly are a wonderful example of Thank you, thank you, thank you. And you are, I find, to be inspirational as well. And I love the way you do interviews. Please keep on doing your job here. Fabulous. You know, well, I love what I'm doing. You know, I get to meet people like you and have wonderful conversations. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's all good. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. I'll let you know as soon as I start really working on this book. I, I can't wait for that. I think it'd be a fabulous Christmas gift. So just nudge, nudge, wink, wink, you know. <laughs> and before the election, it's got to go out. Yes, yes. So time to get on it, girl. <laughs> so, you know, look, at, look and listen to this story. Listen to our other story. Look and read the, the, um, the wonderful poems every day. And, you know, if you are feeling isolated, if you are feeling alone, if you are feeling at a crossroads in life, if you are feeling frustrated and down and do not know what tomorrow is, going to bring read these wonderful poems every day they they speak to the times they speak to 
the attitude, they speak to the solutions. And just in herself, Esther is a bright, beautiful light that shines bright for all of us. So folks, please don't make excuses. Just step up and step out and become. Until next time, folks. Bye for now. We hope you enjoyed the show. We look forward to bringing you more shows. Please go to selfdiscoverymedia.com slash shows and you will see the incredible lineup of genres and shows that we have for you. We are here to make a difference in your life. Thank you for listening.